right. So this is your so this is this is your favorite episode. Uh yeah. Um because I really love the movie The Thing. Um and like this is just the thing exosquad edition in a lot of ways yeah uh, it, de- it definitely is it definitely yeah is. and like yeah. a lot of stuff was talked about last episode about like the body horror turn and stuff like this is there's more to come of course uh, as as listeners who have seen the show would know uh but this is my goodness just like i think one of the best bits of this like kind of body horror turn for this show top 10 slime monsters in all media oh hands <laughs> down hands down and like even down to the um you know, we'll talk. We can talk about it more when we get into the episode. But down to just some of the animation for like the people that it imitates, like the way it, the way they draw Hollis's like their its clone of Hollis's face. Oh, it's so creepy, right? That just like weird dumb smile. Like it's so good. It's so <laughs> you, good. You know, you know what it actually reminds me of. There's like this really good episode of the Pokemon cartoon where there's a Pokemon called Ditto, and it copies other Pokemon. But, like, this ditto is, like, not good at it, so its face always looks like a stupid smiley face, like, it has originally instead of the Pokemon's face. That's what it reminded me of. That's great. Heck yeah. And yeah, it is, it's just like, ugh, it's weird. It's just an, like, unsettling, like, dumb, weird smile. But yeah, so I'm pumped to talk about this today. Well, uh, and we're talking about this on ExoFriends, the Elder Millen- the Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. Uh, I am David Hoyt, joined by Kayvon Fishon and Lexi DeCorning. And uh, as you might have heard Kayvon say in, in, before I did the intro, this episode is called Flesh Crawls. <laughs> and uh, it is written by Mark Edens and Richard Muller. Uh, who has a long array of bona fides when it comes to cartoons of the era, like gummy bears, dino saucers, uh, not cartoon, married with children, uh, unless that was secretly a cartoon. Could you imagine a cartoon <laughs> version of that show? It'd be like it'd be like the proto Simpsons, like very unlikable Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, kind of like they are today, I guess. But um Oh. Uh, <laughs> He uh, did Batman, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Super Dave. Um, obviously a show about you. Yeah, What the obviously. shit is, uh, what is Super Dave? It's it's basically like, what if what if Evil Knievel was a cartoon? Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Super Dave Daredevil for Hire. That's what it was called. Uh, apparently this show was on for 12 years. Wait, what? Yeah, it says nineteen. At least I'm looking on IMDb now. Nineteen eighty-seven to nineteen ninety-nine. Twelve. That's twelve years, right? Like that can't be right. Uh, <laughs> well, episode list. Let's see here. Nineteen eighty-seven, the first episode, season one. Now it says it has only two seasons. So I see. Oh, I think. I think because. See, I I remember Super Dave being a cartoon. Maybe it wasn't. No, there is a cartoon. There is like a Super Dave animated television series. Um, It was the Deke animation. I'm looking at the IMDb page here for that. Um, And it looks like it had one season in 1992. So maybe there was another Super Dave. Kayvon, did you just Google it? Uh, I'm looking at the IMDb, yeah. There was a Super Dave Osborne show. That ran from 1987 to 1992. 
Okay. IMDb for whatever reason has this down as 90, 87 to 99. And it definitely that's that's the one for sure. <laughs> Weird. If that's if that's right, incredible. But I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like on what channel? <laughs> like <laughs> local whatever you're like local like basic cable or cable, was it uh like local access cable? Whatever, whatever the Canadian version of like BBC Channel eighteen is. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Anyway, back to the episode. Not that me to yeah. pull us uh, into yeah. Oh, uh, other other funny. Like, he also did Captain Planet, RoboCop, and something called Butt Ugly Martians, which looks <laughs> like nightmare fuel. Also, yeah. <laughs> like, what is? All right, we're gonna have to pause here again. What is Butt Ugly Martians? Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, I just looked. <laughs> you, you I just Googled looked it, it up. It's, yeah, it's like a weird early um, CGI animation Ooh. looking show, and it looks very unsettling. <laughs> it it looks like someone tried to make a kids cartoon out of Mars Attacks. Yeah. Oh, this is really unnatural looking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these are. These are so uncanny valley that I I need to stop looking at them. <laughs> yeah, I would highly recommend our listeners like just take a moment, pause if you need to, and just go watch the trailer uh, for yeah, Bud Ugly Martians. <laughs> Weird. Uh, I was gonna say one last thing. Robert, Robert, was it Robert Richard? Sorry, Richard Mueller also did an episode of Mummies Alive, which was a show we got in South Africa, uh, but Cape has never heard of. So I don't know. Did I've you ever watch Mummies Alive? Either. Okay. No, I've never heard of that. I don't know. I was into like mythology and stuff at the time, so it was cool. It's like a yeah. kid See. who unleashes some mummies, and they're cool. Cool mummies. I mean, I get behind that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mummies unleashed. I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> mummies gone wild. <laughs> mummies. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's just slowly undoing their bandages in front of the camera. Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> That is you so like what you see? <laughs> Let that now on OnlyFans, mummy's gone wild. Only raps. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, it looks like it went. It had forty-two episodes according to IMDb, which you know, who knows? I don't know if they were super accurate about the last show, but it does look like they did run forty-two episodes. Huh. I mean, that's yeah. more. That's more episodes of a TV show than I've ever made. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, our co-writer for today's episode has had quite a expansive career. It looks like he wrote, like, just one or two episodes for a lot of these shows, and then he's Very... kind of, like, the bulk of his writing uh, career was Robocop Alpha Commando, whatever that is. Yeah, um, jetpack. And then, like... <laughs> Is it Robocop with a jetpack? Is that seriously what yeah. it is? Oh my god. Is, right. Isn't that just Robocop 3? Like, doesn't he have yes. a jetpack in that one? <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, there's a terrible well. movie. Um, Alright. <laughs> let's get into the episode. Yeah. yeah so, Please, so. let's... <laughs> uh, flesh, flesh crawls. Uh, we, we open up uh, orbiting Venus, uh, and we follow... Uh, Neosapien shuttle with Thrax inside, uh, reminiscing about battles in the past that he had against the Exofleet, where he murdered a bunch of the E-frame pilots, and how he spared Kaz. 
Uh, as part of the flashback, we also see Draconis stripping him of his rank because they he saw the footage of him not killing Kaz. Yep. That that was like a really interesting scene because there's no dialogue. It's just kind of like my. It's like Draconis like miming and like wagging his finger at Thrax, and then he like rips his badge off his uniform. Yeah. Well, what's really funny about the badge is like. I, I feel I feel like if we went back and looked at all the other Neo Sapiens, because hardly any of their out uh, uniforms are the same. I don't think all the pilots have those badges. It's yeah, like, it's like, we don't actually have a symbol for the for you being a pilot, but this will do. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, isn't that just I mean, like the insignia of the Neo Sapiens, like in general? Yeah. Right. It's like you're no longer a Neo Sapien. Go back to or get right. to be a Terran. <laughs> But it's just it was it was kind of weird for me because it's Thrax's flashback, but then when he like kind of corners Kaz in the canyon, we hear Kaz's inner monologue being like, "Why did he spare me?" or something. Right. Yeah. And there's like I think like you get just a little bit of like it's it's like in there it's it kind of sounds there's a little bit of reverb on it like it's like kind of echoing in their mind or something because you also get Thrax's yeah. whole like there's been enough killing. Yes, <laughs> it's such a weird scene. There's also some really great ominous music at the beginning of the episode, though, that I liked. So yeah, I did like that music too. It's just kind of like a low drone, just like menacing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I remember there was like a piano and a what may have been a very menacing flute. Uh, I'm not yeah. a musician, so I wouldn't know for sure. But something really high pitched just... and reedy. <laughs> it was just kind of strange because it was like an interesting opening to the show, but then. If you actually stop to think about it for two minutes, you're like, wait, does Thrax hear Kaz's in a monologue? Like, is he just imagining? That's why he was why such a good pilot. He can mime? read minds from like <laughs> ship to ship. He's like, ah, I know where you're going. No, they're like soulmates now. They've shared like a deeply intimate moment. Now they have like an empathic bond with each other. See my slash fiction coming out next month. Cax? <laughs> Thraz? 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 I like Thraz. Thraz works. I like works. Thraz. Thraz? That's a good, yeah, portmanteau couple name for them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thraz it is. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know, just something that struck me in this scene, like, Thrax is so good that he can shoot someone from, like, two directions at the same time. <laughs> right. If you watch, like, where the lasers are coming from in some of those death scenes. Uh, also, did it... Did, it seems like when the war first started, Thrax like enjoyed killing. Probably. In those cut scenes. I mean, you got to figure. I get the vibe from him that he was very much like bought into the program of like neo neo sapien liberation. He's you know what we could call like a neo sapien nationalist or something like that. And these are the people who've had the boot on his people's neck for you know what a century or so. Um, yep. And so like you know he probably at first is like yeah hell yeah this is revenge. And then, it, and then he realized that it's not really doing anything. It's just murder. Yeah, you live long enough to become the thing you hate, in his case. Yeah. Uh, Hol- Hollis and an, and another nameless pirate who, who like, looked cool enough for me to, like, keep wanting to know more about him, but I know we never learned anything about him, right. are uh, flying a ship, like, in... I don't know, like the the chem trail of the other ship. <laughs> it's hard to hard to describe what they're doing, but they're using it to cover their approach into Venus 
because I guess their cloaking doesn't work as they enter the atmosphere or in the atmosphere. Yeah, that wasn't totally clear. To me, yeah, they but... just kind of said it. It's like, oh, you can't cloak when you go through the atmosphere for some reason. And we'll just hide in their, like, in the, like, wash of the jet or whatever. Yeah, like their chemtrails. Yeah. Weird. Future shit, man. Yeah. Future shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking nerd shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they get to the base that uh, Able Squad was staying at on Venus. And there's, a, there's, again, there's this weird, another weird thing where, like, they land, and for some reason, all of the E frames in that base are glowing. And JT says, like, lights, and they stop glowing? Yeah. And it's never explained what that is. Yeah, I... that was very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? Uh, uh, I thought there was like okay. something that I just didn't understand. Like I was like, oh, maybe I just wasn't yeah. paying attention in a previous episode, and they all have this like special power that I didn't know about. But I'm really glad you pointed that out. <laughs> I I rewatched the scene like three times. Like, what it? Am I missing like one line of dialogue here? Like, why? What is what is this? Why is everything glowing? And why did he say to turn off the lights? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like how they're having like a sweet rave party and they're using their fusion packs to light it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta kill time somehow on Venus, right? Uh, the uh, Hollis gets off the ship and uh, talks with JT about his mission to bring back what they think is Lysander and that case of mutagen that uh, Lysander was working with back at the. Uh, uh, what was that base called in the last episode? I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, the um, big, the big, like square mountain looking place. Yeah. Lake Artemis. That's it. Right. Uh, sure. Sounds right to me. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Hollis Hollis comments that this is the first. I think he says this is the first time he's been on a planet that wasn't that was like had atmosphere it's it's his yeah. first trip to the inner planets yeah that's what he said yeah 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 and he's like really taken by venus and, and him and nara do a little bit of flirting she's like you should see it in the daytime and he's like maybe i will <laughs> yeah, she's standing like... like right behind him as well like right up on like she could like spit on his neck <laughs> yeah again, she kind of like leans again. up and like whispers in his ear almost like you should see it in the daytime like ooh, all right. <laughs> again, is... again, Lieutenant Burns and the many, many sexual harassment complaints against her. <laughs> she says she's getting way too close to Hollis and just sniffing his neck. Like... She was actually the inspiration for Michael Crichton's uh, disclosure novel. Uh, little oh known God. fact. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> um. So the, uh, JT says that Alec and Maggie will go with him on the shuttle as an escort back to uh, Mercury or Chaos uh, to study both, Ly to interrogate Lysander and study the mutagen. And uh, they just immediately take off. Uh, the rest of Able Squad is flying cover as the sh shuttle gets out of orbit and they engage a Neosapien patrol. Um, this uh, is where we see JT uses his what they call now the solar fireball, right? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of continuity there, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe he changed oh. the name on the readout and his uh, his E-frames solar fireballs way cooler. Because <laughs> well, this this is the same thing. It was, 
but it used to be the solar flare. I don't know. Yes, it's it, the, it, the same it, special power he had last time that we were talking about. We could. It's it's it. the only time they ever call it the solar fireball. Okay, <laughs> for, so for it might reason. be something different, but maybe not. Right. Uh, again, See, not clear. Seemed, <laughs> seemed to be a giant fireball that just disintegrated everything around it. Seems exactly exactly <laughs> the same to me. <laughs> flare fireball. What's the difference? Same thing. Um, Bronski, we can see a lot of good like Bronski like flying about, and he's he's like constantly yelling out things like crud and just yeehaw. <laughs> and uh, Kaz, Kaz, again, Kaz flies straight into Neo Sapien, turns his illusion thing on right in front of him, <laughs> and still this Neo Sapien's like. Which one do I shoot? <laughs> Obviously, the one that materialized out of nowhere is more dangerous. Which, I mean, fair enough. It's like, wow, that one just like appeared out of nothing. Like that one's got to be the more dangerous. Which, yeah, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> but also, I was watching this scene, and it occurred to me like that Bronski has been reminding me of someone like ever since we went back and rewatched it and uh, rewatched the series in preparation for this podcast. And it finally rewatching the scene today. It clicked who he reminds me of. Do you remember John Cruck, who played for the Phillies back in the early 90s? No. Okay. Oh, yeah. and I, I believe you. <laughs> just like, he was just like, this is like disgusting, foul-mouthed old, like, baseball player who I think eventually got testicular uh. cancer and had to quit playing baseball. Um, yeah, so maybe if, like, any of our listeners were A, alive in the early 90s and B, watched baseball, John Cruck. Strong. Oh, no, I've definitely seen this guy before. Oh, yeah, he was always in the news. He was, like, super foul mouth, prone to temper tantrums. Um, and, like, Bronski's, like, a kid-friendly version of him. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what it is. This is And this is right around the time when I moved to Pittsburgh, so I probably saw him at games. Uh, uh, undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a yeah. <laughs> he was a hoot. Both, both Pirates and Orioles, I'm sure. And it, yeah, no, I remember that guy. He looks very familiar. Yeah. Um, just really I, just vulgar individual. Strong Bronski <laughs> energy. Yeah, big time. BBE, big Bronski energy. There you go. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so the, the ship makes it out of orbit, and uh, Able Squad goes back to the base. Um, Alec uh, aboard is viewing the prisoner with Hollis or the prisoner being Lysander, or what they think is Lysander, and they leave him under the watch of a single pirate guard, and then the Neo Omega wakes up, or, uh, like, secretly. He just opens his eyes and is like, aha, my plan is working. Um, yeah, it's not clear, like, because they were supposed to have, um, like, sedated him, basically, to put him under so he doesn't know where he is, but... When you when he wakes up, you get the feeling he's not being sedated at all. Like he's yeah. he's been conscious the whole time. He's just like keeping his eyes closed. So you can't sedate goop. <laughs> do do you think do you think when it ate Lysander, like did it just take Lysander's form, or did it get anything else from him? Like did it get smarter or anything like, like that? Like his memories. I mean, well, that's yeah. that's a good question. It's the thing, the thing will get your memories. Um. So I could see potentially, you know, if it's absorbing all the like data in your brain and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it seems conscious. Like it's not just it's not totally random, right? It's strategizing. Right. It knows what it's doing. Like 
there is some intelligence there. Um, yeah, it knows who to imitate in the right, like, you know, as we'll get into later in the episode, like, it knows who to imitate in the right uh, contexts and situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it understands, like, who, like, Hollis is and who the captain is and stuff. Yeah. Uh, after after Alec and Hollis leave, we see them in the mess hall with Maggie, and Alec is explaining dark matter syndrome to Hollis. And uh, he both Hollis and Maggie have this great exchange where she's just like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, she's just destroying him rhetorically. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because she's like sassing him, and it's pretty hilarious. But at the same time, I was like this. This syndrome sounds really racist, <laughs> for lack yeah. of a better word, because it's it's what's his name, Doctor Algernon, right? Has come up with this, and it's like a way to explain why the pirates are so like unruly and like why they're so they're just, piratey. They're right? just born that way. Their skulls are smaller. Crossed <laughs> out like a phrenology right. class, like ah. Uh-huh. This right? is why the pirates are violent. So in the so annals like, of like in the annals of um like imperialist like like european uh race science there was this whole notion that like and this goes actually all the way back to the romans that like anybody that didn't live in the temperate zones that either lived up far up in like you know like the arctic region or antarctic region or in the like around the equator um were like because of the climate they lived in more primitive and backwards uh like emmanuel kant talked about how like asians who lived close to the equator had their brains like brains literally baked by the heat and stuff and thus we're not as smart as you know noble european man um yeah. and so it like wow. literally just like smacks of that it's like oh, I've, heard, I've like literally exactly heard this before the vibe. yeah that's exactly the vibe i was getting from this dark medicine drip like it's why you're not as civilized as us don't worry you'll <laughs> calm down i think that's exactly what starts the conversation hellas is like uh i don't want to calm down like i'm pretty happy being a pirate actually um, right hey you go hollis yeah. you do you be freewheeling and fun <laughs> and it's also it's like oh why are they so violent like oh i don't know what maybe about like generations worth of trauma about being abandoned in the belt <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love i love the way the conversation ends too where hollis is like you're lucky you're a woman and maggie's like yeah yeah i've always thought so <laughs> yeah. she's that whole dumb line that old dumb speech about how she's like i've never taken an insult from any man and she like proceeds to insult him and he's like you're lucky you're a woman yeah like oh man early <laughs> 90s feminism funny. is the best <laughs> school power um, mm-hmm. girl power hashtag girl uh, boss the 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 uh the mo- the monster Neo Omega slips through the bars assuming Hollis's form and kills this guard. And when they drew the guard in this scene, for some reason they gave him like a cart like a snaggle tooth in the <laughs> middle of his face. <laughs> I noticed yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. He's just got like one tooth. Yeah. It's his uh, it's his like can opening tooth. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how he opens his beer. Like, <laughs> it's always ready to shotgun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, the, and this is where I wrote down the notes for Kmon said earlier. This this episode is definitely, if not if not a retelling of, they're very very inspired by the thing. Definitely. Um, because we see this thing. It doesn't consume the guard like it did Lysander, but it does kill him. Yeah. Which like is worse i don't know like yeah because it's 
it seems like the way it's killing people is by drowning them in its own goo. Which... Yeah, and kind of half absorbing them, or it's not really clear. Yeah, whatever it like... did to the guard, it was too unpleasant to show. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like one. Eventually, we'll get to it when Alec finds him. He's like, "Here's the guard," and you just see his face, and like they never cut to like what he's looking at. <laughs> and and it's a stone. It's the stone cold killer that is Alec Deleon. Like whatever, <laughs> whatever makes his stomach turn. I probably don't want to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm just like kind of picturing that it's like kind of dissolved most of him. And, like, maybe a skeleton yeah. and some, like, bits of, like, goopy tissue are left, and that's about it. Yeah, that that's what I'm envisioning, too. Like, it's probably it's probably a semi-melted human being. Yeah, um, yeah. And you gotta figure, like, I wonder, is, like, as it takes on more and more matter, is it able to then, like, get bigger and bigger? Like, that's what lets it grow and become more of a goopy wave. <laughs> more of a goopy wave um mm-hmm. goop yeah. wave it's my new genre new genre of music <laughs> sport <laughs> uh Al- um alec and Mag. oh that's right the guard the guard was attempting to call them yeah because the prisoner like had escaped or was awake first was, yeah because it was like they yeah, was, was like supposed awake. to call him and he's yeah. like oh the prisoner woke up and then it eats him yeah that's right and so he he does manage to call alec maggie and uh hollis before he dies uh and then turning around to see the monster who was turned into hollis who then kills him um so alec and maggie make their way down to the brig and they're like where's the prisoner and that's when like we said alec finds the guard corpse and he's like ugh. <laughs> Just like um, he lifts a, he lifts like a blanket off of the little, like prison bench bed, and you can see that the figure underneath the blanket is not as big as the person who was just devoured. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, who knows what's left of him under there? But there's <laughs> enough identifiable material to know that it was the god. Probably still had a sweet Nothing bandana but... on his. What was left of his skull? It's the one tooth. Is the giveaway? <laughs> yeah, it's called one tooth Johnson. <laughs> nothing but meat um the uh they also called the captain down and hollis arrives and at this point they all realize um the captain is late like he hasn't shown up as quickly as he should because the monster has killed the captain at this point and assumed his form and we we also get to see the monster i think it's at this point the monster like goes to the bridge and kills everyone on the bridge real stealthily but like he doesn't completely get rid of the corpses so later when alec goes to the bridge and like where is everyone i just picture like they're all stuffed in a closet dead and contorted (laughs) and melted like (laughs) right or maybe he does like fully absorb them uh it just takes him a little bit of time but that scene, Maybe. oh my god, that scene is like one of the best parts of this episode. Because, you know, he comes in, he's like standing behind the one guy, and he puts his hand on his shoulder. And it's that's like, it's real thing vibes there. Where it's just like, and then he just like oozes all over the guy. And the guy's like going for his gun, and he just like oozes over the gun and everything. And if you listen really closely, I think you can actually hear a couple of blaster shots. As the guy's like it's... inside the thing, just shooting what? at it. But also being devoured, being devoured. Yeah. And then the other guy turns around and sees him and then like, oh, he just like 
oozes all over him. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. It's gross. <laughs> yeah. Grim. Uh, yeah. So, um, the Hollis, Hollis, Maggie, and Alex split up at this point to try and find the prisoner. Uh, like I said, Alex discovers the bridge is empty. Hollis sees the monster disguised as the captain who, like, gets in an elevator and ditches him. Um, or no, uh, he manages to escape in goop form through some vents hmm. from a closed room. Uh, and Meg, <laughs> we, we, we cut to Maggie, who's going to, like, the cargo bay. And there are these two pirates who are just, you know, absolutely not totally making out behind that <laughs> right. Yeah, we were watching it. So like, they just like emerge. There, the room's pitch black. She turns the lights on. They emerge from like a shadowy corner, and they're like, "Just us uh, pirates in here. How you doing?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, what are <laughs> they doing?" But us pirates. <laughs> it was the nineties. Uh, People were still very much in the closet. Like we take for granted, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, pirates back then had to make out in the dark behind crates. It was and a simpler time. <laughs> we've not reached the mountaintop, but we've come a long way. I hope. I really hope we have. Oh, in the fun. in the live action remake, she'll actually walk in on the pirates fucking, and she'll just be like, "Okay, yes. sorry, carry on. Sorry to disturb you." It's like, "All right, sorry, boys. I'll go this way now." Listen, there's a prisoner on the loose. Um, <laughs> I actually totally forgot about that. So, what is she? What's her interaction with the pirates then? Like, I can't remember. Does she ask them a question or? She, uh, she she basically tells them what's going on, and okay. they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll help. But at this point, this is this is that creepy moment that Kayvon was talking about earlier. The monster has taken Hollis's form, locked the door, and is about to open the uh, airlock in the cargo bay. Mm. And Maggie sees him, and he's just got this real fucking creepy grin on his face just the entire awful. time. Yeah. Like, it's so unsettling. Right. And it's also, like... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I find it funny because she also... She's like, Hollis, stop playing around. This is like no time for fun and games kind of attitude. Which I was thinking back to the, the scene where they're explaining dark matter syndrome to Hollis and like basically implying that he's... It was like it's right after that when Hollis leaves that Maggie says something to Alec about like, oh, you know, he's immature. And so I was like, is this... Do you, do you think he's just like... This immature pirate he's like fucking around with you um i don't know that's that was the only explanation i could think of like why she seems to think he's playing games it's like like he's some kind of primitive man child yes it's like ah, oh, there are simpler people these pirates and their dark matter syndrome um the, so uh monster hollis opens the airlock and we see the two pirates get sucked out in the space by rest in peace pirates. And um, Maggie also almost gets sucked out, but she grabs onto the mutagen container and it has like a magnetic lock on the bottom. She turns it on and it like sticks to her E-frame from really far away. And she rides it over there, gets in the E-frame. The E-frame gets sucked off its feet and runs into a wall and she gets knocked out. Um, also, did her E-frame just like, double in size since the last time we saw it or was it always that big it's always that it's it's the it's the 
it's not as large uh, or as massive as the tandem e-frame but it's definitely bigger than every other e-frame okay because yeah. it just it looked huge in this episode and i couldn't remember it being like that enormous I, but i think i think they have trouble with keeping its scale accurate yeah. from okay. scene to scene well because there's it's it's not as bad when it's just kind of on its own, but later on, uh, when it interacts with the monster, we can talk about that when we get there. That's when it's like it's gargantuan, um, like bigger than those like massive Neo Sapien A frames, even. Yeah, it seems it seems like it's about between fifteen and twenty feet tall. Yeah, to me. Yeah, and then I just later there's a couple scenes where it's like busting through doors and stuff later in the episode that just like it's like ah oh, that doesn't look. That doesn't look uh, um, accurate. Like it's way bigger. Bad continuity. Yeah. And while while this is going on, uh, Hollis has gotten to the bridge with Alec, and uh, he see that Alec has set the course for the ship back to Venus, or uh, no, has set the course for the ship to Mercury because the monsters set the ship back on a course to venus to get back there um and they rush to help maggie when they see the airlock door has been opened on some indicator on the bridge uh when they get there the they close the airlock and they go to help maggie and maggie sees hollis and immediately starts to try to kill him because she thought that he just tried to kill her and um the monster at this point has gotten in alex e-frame and the weird thing that happens here is it assumes Alex form, right? Yeah. Yeah. And but it also can create like or maybe it was just in there still from its previous like from it being from when it was a Neo Sapien. It can make the Neurolink to hook up to the E frame. Right, right. Just kind of pretty rad, right? <laughs> like Yeah. I mean, I, I for what I actually just thought about the fact that maybe it was just still in the goop. From back when he was a Neo Sapien. It just has a I like that explanation better. Yeah. Yeah. It's just floating around in there. Yeah. Like, ugh. Well, because <laughs> it replicates, like, it replicates, you know, clothes and stuff, too. And I don't know. It seems like it, it could, like, replicate that also, especially if it has the actual components inside of it. Mm. Grim. Also, uh, really quickly, just to back ahead. up a bit, there's, like, a scene. So, like, Maggie's unconscious. It's like gooping around in the cargo hold and it transforms briefly into like a Neo Sapien stands over her and then turns back into a goop pile. It's just very brief. It's like, yeah. And actually, so there's like a whole weird moment here where it like transforms into a Neo Sapien and then Maggie's E-frame stands up of its own accord and then it goops and, and runs off, goes into Alex E-frame what's first off like i I mean i'm assuming the like neo sapien guy is just like it like what it used to be or used to look like like its original form or whatever yeah me too but maggie's e-frame also just stands up of its own accord when it comes near almost like it's like protecting her from it yeah because she's passed out like she only wakes up like a moment later once the monster's already grouped away I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily think that that was on purpose to make it seem like that, but I like that. That seems like a good another good way to indicate like 
the science and technology in these E-frames is way more than humans bargain for. Right, because we're going to have, it's coming down the line, so I don't know how we handle spoilers on this, but, like, we're going to also, like, see more about Neo, or E-frames doing stuff on their own uh, mm -hmm. coming down the line. So, like, I don't know if this is, like, foreshadowing some of the later uh, storyline stuff around, like, especially, like, De Leon's E-frame. Mm. That that would be that would be so subtle that again I don't think it was on purpose. I don't know, <laughs> but I I like the idea. Confusing writing or like incredible storytelling, we'll never know. <laughs> right. I mean, I'll give. I'll go. I'll I'll put I'll put incredible storytelling on that spin on it and put it making my head cannon. But yeah. I, just, I don't <laughs> think that was the intent. I don't know. Um. It could be, could be. We'll see. Um, uh, so she tries to kill Hollis. The creature gets into Alec's E-frame, starts attacking them. She attacks back with Alec and Hollis, and the 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 case for the mutagen busts open and gets all over the creature inside the E-frame and like makes it melt. Like it lets out this scream of pain, like turn like turns into a few forms and then turns into just a puddle yeah another it's really like good body bubbling. horror moment uh yeah just really goopy and gross and uh at this point um met uh the creature like in goop form as the group investigates it takes over maggie's e-frame and makes like it actually looks like Cr uh, is it Krang? Yeah. Is that the name yes. of the brain from Teenage Mutant yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It looks like it looks like the original like little Walker suit in a much larger scale that Krang was in in the in the old cartoon in blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the face is a dead ringer. It, it's really weird. It's Krang's cousin. <laughs> Krang. Krang's cousin Krung. Like. <laughs> Krang and Krung. The brain cousins. Uh, it, it begins chasing the group out of the uh, airlock. Alec grabs the fusion pack from the... It's always inconsistent where the fusion pack comes from. Because this one's like inside the cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's good human it's design. Like... They build it where you can't easily access it from the outside. Right. <laughs> um... And they, they run away, uh, sounding like the um, abandoned ship for the rest of the crew, that the rest of the surviving crew. And uh, we see the crew getting on the shuttle from back at the beginning of the episode. I, I don't think we ever really talked about how that shuttle landed on this bigger ship. Um, and uh, for some reason, they focus on the cook, who was in the one scene in the mess hall. And do you think his name is Cookie? Or do they call him Cook E, like because he's the cook? Yeah, that's kind of I gather. It's like oh, just like Cookie, Cookie the cook, Cookie you know. the cook. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he just loves making cookies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's like a featured extra in this scene too, who's got like a really sick like blonde mullet and like some really nice like I don't know bangs or something kind of going on mm. and like a red headband, like very much like your classic hipster pirate. 
um, who also like some excellent top-notch facial expressions. He's like waving people to safety. He's like looks almost orgasmic. He's just like, yeah, guys, let's go get to safety. Because also his mouth is hanging wide open, but there's no noise. I don't know. It looks like he should be saying something, but he's not. Right. Oh. But then he does. He's like waving people on board, and then he's like says something like, "You too, Cookie," or like, "Hurry up, Cookie." Yeah. There's, uh, there's actually, Alex... speaking of, like, mouths moving where they're not saying something, I think it's in the scene where, like, Dahlia, or, like, the monster gets dissolved uh, by the mutagen. There's a moment where, like, the three, it's, like, Hollis, Delio, and, and Maggie all, like, walk up to see what happened. And uh, Al- Hollis's mouth moves like he's saying something, but nothing comes out. It's really weird looking. <laughs> They may have had some dialogue written there and they just, like, didn't record it or didn't like it or something and cut it out. Yeah, just ask it. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah, like, he says, like, a whole bunch of stuff and then it's, like, but there's just nothing. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's... It's always funny to see things like that. You know, it's like... It's like like glitches in video games. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like... They don't really bother me, and when I catch them, it's just, like... It's just kind of like a shooting star. Like, oh, that's funny. Right. Um... Alex sets the fusion plaque to explode, uh, and they, the cre- the creature like finds the fusion pack and gives out this like blood curdling scream as it explodes, uh, and the shuttle barely escapes the uh, the explosion itself. Um, they, uh, as they as they fly back towards Phoenix, Alec ponders what other monsters Phaeton is developing, and we have some. We have some more good like, sh- like ship shaking O face from everyone. <laughs> like they just kind of freeze and like do the thing where they shake the camera like they did on Star Trek. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, yeah, and it's like it's like a nice little bit of foreshadowing. Like, oh, you think this is bad? There's going to be worse stuff coming down the pipeline. Which, while I'm a huge fan of all the stuff coming down the pipeline and like the like kind of weird mutated everything that we're about to run into, uh, I am. I think probably goop monster is the worst of the lot hands down um, yeah i'd rather be eaten by like a humanoid raptor monster well it it's it's the most it's the most terrifying of the lot because it seems just like a force of nature rather than a sentient being for the most part yeah And that's uh, that's the end of the episode. It comes it comes pretty quick, but it's it's a it's a real fun episode. I like it. Big question for me for this episode is: Is this creature you like? You mentioned like yeah, it's like it seems almost not quite sentient. Like it's a force of nature. Like it's just kind of driven by this urge to absorb and assimilate, and you know, kind of like the thing. Uh, though it does have like its you know capacity for like cognition and cunning and planning and all that sort of stuff, but. Mm. Is it still, like, does it still think of itself as a Neo-Sapien? Like, it's doing this because it's like, oh, I have to, like, serve Phaeton and fight the humans? Or is it just, like, kind of following these kind of baser animalistic instincts, like, just trying to absorb everything it can? I, I think it's, I think it's like, the baser, more animal instincts. I, I don't think, I don't think it is still, like, I am serving the glory of Phaeton by killing these humans. That's kind of where I'm at, too, yeah. I think it's, like, it is, like, it's just the thing. Like, it's just a predator now. Yeah, it's become its own weird creature. Yeah. That's oh, so good. Yeah, it's a great episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like it's kind of it's fast paced. It moves really quickly. It's like there's not, I think, as much to talk about as some of the other episodes. But it's just because it's just so punchy, so like really like tightly paced, fast moving episode. Yeah. Dave? Now Dave's gone. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all kinds of dead air today. Like, I don't know. It's <laughs> okay. I, I, I just didn't have anything else. I didn't have anything to respond to that. you like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Grim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. If, everyone right. agrees. This was good. <laughs> this top, top episode. This is like, I would say this, this probably is my favorite. Although like, there are a lot of episodes that I think in the show that could contend for favorites. Um, but even as a kid, I, like um, I'd seen a little bit of the thing on television, um, like so like Saturday afternoon TV around in October or something like that. And mm-hmm. I remember being kind of creeped out by it as a kid. And then seeing this episode, I was like, oh, it's like that movie. Hell yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen the thing until last year. What? Really? Oh, my goodness. What was that I'm like? You what did you it. think? Uh, it was it was really good. Uh, I was surprised about how much the monster was in the movie. You're right? Like it wasn't like a slow burn. It was immediately there. Yep. And like those effects still hold up because it's all you know animatronics yeah. and puppetry, so the effects still hold up really well. Yeah. Yeah, that group is I real. Mean, give give me give me the 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 artistry and time and care not not to take away from what you know computer animation and things can do nowadays because it's you know basically reality at this point uh some of the stuff that comes out of like the really skilled craftsmen in that area but like the old time like practical effects on monsters and movies like that mm, there's something about it just it's so good because there's like there's a prequel to the thing that came out in 2000 i think like i'm sorry 2009 or 10 maybe 11 somewhere in there like about a decade ago and like it does a good job of kind of capturing the kind of fear and paranoia that goes along with the thing as a concept but like it's just it's really kind of funny to see a movie upstaged in its special effects by it's like 30 year old per precursor or it's like precursor that predated it by 30 years Oh, you know, and so like, yeah, it's just it's something about like actually taking the time to do those live effects, like when they're done well and there's a budget behind them, man. Oh, my goodness. They are just phenomenal. And it just it works really nicely for that kind of body horror and everything. Yeah, like if they remake Exosquad as a contemporary TV show, I hope that they would not just use cg because i think yeah like the the combination of cg and practical effects together could also work really well yeah um i just i don't know i find like a lot of big cg blockbusters uh like my eyes don't always know where to focus or like there's just too Mm. much yeah like too much going on sometimes or too much detail whatever it is i don't know i'm not a filmmaker i don't know the technical language but well, I think I think a lo- I think a lot of times you'll see big set pieces in CG nowadays, where um, animated set pieces mm. nowadays, and like in movies, in movies like The Eternals or things like that. And part of the reason why they do that is to give you a spectacle, but they make it overwhelming to the eyes because then you can't focus on one little part and see the imperfections. 
yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm, I don't doubt that that's the strategy. It's just like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't want spectacle for spectacle's sake, right? Like, I want something that is spectacular because it's grounded in a real feeling. Like, even like the, the latest Dune movie did a really good job of like giving that spectacle and that feeling of bigness without, I don't know, like confusing my eyes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is again where I think just practical effects still have that kind of advantage of like, oh, my brain can actually process what's happening in this shot. Right. But I mean, there's a well, lot in, of CG in... in Dune. I think like Dune for me yeah. is the blueprint going forward in a lot of ways in the same way that, um, God, 20 years ago, Lord of the Rings was the blueprint for how you do you CG in an epic film. Yes. Like Dune, yeah. I think, is the new blueprint for that 20 years later. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I haven't I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but like the parts I've have watched have been like, this is this is really good. Like Yeah. Um But yeah, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh I don't really have anything to recommend or plug this week. Do you do either of you? Uh just fun little piece of trivia for the thing, since we're talking about it. Um the soundtrack is it's one of the only John Carpenter movies. It might be the only like John Carpenter movie, at least from his like his like cycle of good stuff where he didn't actually compose the music for it. Uh, fun mm. piece of trivia, Ennio Morricone, who um, did, he's an Italian uh, soundtrack composer who did a lot of like really kind of like famous movies like The Battle of Algiers, Fistful of Dollars, uh, and probably most noted for, um, uh, um, whatchamacallit, his uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly um, soundtrack, uh, which is like kind of really famous and has been used in a ton of stuff. Um, he did the soundtrack for The Thing. So, oh, okay. fun little bit of trivia. Cool. Uh, I did not know. Yeah. Nothing to plug, really, I don't think. Yeah. We did watch Fright Night the other night and uh, rewatch that. Cause, like, <laughs> as far as, like, fun 80s horror while we're on the topic of it, it's worth worth revisiting it or watching if no one's seen it. Some great I practical think. effects. Really good practical yeah. effects. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, okay. Well, yeah. uh, then, on that note... Uh, this should probably be the last episode that airs this year. Let's see. Tomorrow? That... Oh, nope. There'll be one more. Okay. Um, but this is the last one that'll air before Christmas. So, and all the all the other holidays, most mostly. So, um, uh, happy holidays to everyone. And stay safe. Have fun with your families if you're able to. And if not, hopefully you'll be able to see them soon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye.